You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Morning, church. How are we doing? Good. Good? That was good enthusiasm. I like it. Hey, so if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, my name is Kenton Boone, and I am the young adult and men's pastor here at ACF. Uh, I'm coming up on a year, and it's been an amazing ride, so I'm just really grateful. Uh, I'm really grateful. Um, But, so I don't bury the lead, yes, I am Pastor Will's son-in-law. But before you think too awesome of that, uh, my entire time dating his middle daughter, Emily, He called me an appendage. And uh, apparently his perspective was, you can lose an appendage and still live. So, I made it though, right? I did, thank you, thank you. Yes. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Will. I get to say that because you're not here. Um, Okay. So I want to invite you into the scriptures with me. I'm going to invite our church family members to come up with Bibles. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, These are for you. These are for you. Uh, We're going to be in Matthew chapter 8. But if you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, if you're slinging around your phone or whatever, um, in your normal daily rhythm, and you want a hard copy and you don't have one, just take this one with you. We've got so many of them. Take them, okay? All right. So you can go ahead and turn to the uh, first biography of Jesus in the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. And uh, we were going to continue our series today. Sorry, Matthew chapter 8. Lauren last week did 44 verses. I'm going to give you four. That makes you feel any better. Okay. Uh, Okay. So we're going to continue our series in Signs and Wonders, as you all saw. Uh, And I'll continue to echo our amazing teachers. This has just been a really great series. I feel like God has really raised our expectation for the miraculous in the daily life. And uh, I'm just really grateful. Uh, And so before before we get into scripture, a little bit something about me. I love story. I love narrative story. And uh, when the writers of the New Testament endeavored to put these words on paper— for the church at large, they had the greatest story ever told. They had the greatest story ever told in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so because of that beautiful story and because of the writers that took such great effort to put it on paper for us, I want to invite you into its pages, okay? So Matthew chapter eight, starting in verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Will you pray with me? 
God, we invite you into this space and time. God, that you would open the door of our hearts, our minds, our souls, and walk through them to help us understand your word more, to help us understand Jesus' sign and wonder of healing this humble, leprous man. Amen? Amen. Okay, so leprosy. This isn't something we in uh, the American nation that we have are very familiar with. We are not in an ancient Middle Eastern context. Most of the leprosy we know about, or think we know about, exists in armadillos, right? Or is that just a rumor? Either way, someone told me that when I was a kid and I believed them, that uh, armadillos carry leprosy. Uh, So, consider yourself. I'm going to invite you into this. Consider yourself an ancient Israelite. And one morning, you've woken up, and there's a dry spot on your arm. It could be just general skin stuff, eczema, sunburn, or it could be something much worse. See, it could be a defiling skin disease disorder that pronounces you unclean to your Hebrew culture. And so you being a good Hebrew, you travel to your local priest to show him this spot. And this priest who has the, the laws of Leviticus stamped on their minds references Leviticus 13 and is able to judge what is clean and unclean. Unfortunately, the priest confirms your fear. You are unclean. The spot is is worse than you thought. And that requires you to go into isolation for seven days. You can't be around your friends, can't be around your family. You even have to give them a wide berth, not walking near them in case they might touch you and become unclean themselves. But the seven days are over, they're done, they were difficult, but you made it. But at least it's over. But the spot hasn't gotten any worse, but unfortunately it hasn't gotten any better. And so again, the priest declares you unclean for another week. Another week of isolation. Another week of limited interaction. Another week of walking alongside those who have similar disorders, skin diseases. There's little pockets of shame and isolation everywhere around you. And you desperately go through the ritual washing, the cleansings, the things that you need to do to get clean, but it's not working. And then one day you wake up, and the spot that you had is unfortunately a full-blown breakout. It's deadened, it's white, and unfortunately there's nothing left for it. You have to join a colony with those similar skin disorders. And every seven days on repeat, 
you go and show yourself to the priest, desperately hoping something will change. But it doesn't. See, the problem is this, this pain, this frustration, this isolation, this wasn't your fault. You just woke up. This thing that you have wasn't your fault. But you still must walk through the streets and shout, I am unclean. But it wasn't your fault. And so it's been weeks, maybe months, years. Who can count anymore? When you hear about a traveling rabbi, a teacher that even some have become calling prophet. Is it John the baptizer or is it someone more? And the rumor is he's come to proclaim himself as the one, as the son of man, as God with us. And something in you just triggers a hope that you've long thought was gone. Every time you went through ritual cleansing, you had just a brief hope. But over time, that got stamped out. But something in you registers a hope that you know that God has authority. That you know that God has authority over things like this. See, you grew up with stories of Moses in the miracles of showing leprosy putting it back in his robe, throwing it back out, and the leprosy's gone. You know that God has the power to do that. And so if this man, this rabbi, this Jesus, is who he says that he is, then he can make you clean. And so this brings us back to the scripture. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. See, this is the human experience. Shame and isolation that often breaks out by things that we have no control over. But then Jesus, he reaches down into our humanity with God's willingness, and we are made clean. Okay, some of you have been able to, un, unable to focus because this is here, right? And then this, and you're like, when's this going to happen? promise you your patience has been rewarded and I'm not going to Bob Ross this thing so don't just like think 
don't think I'm just gonna happy little tree it over here, okay? This is not gonna be a good painting, but it will be something, all right? It will be something. Okay, so I do love story, but I'm also a visual person. Anybody else visual people? Okay, great. You guys are like the ones that like followed along on the pro presenter or the, the PowerPoint as teachers went through. Okay, let's look at this from a different angle. See, we all have an understanding of the Genesis story. And if you don't, I'm gonna give you a little brief history. God spoke the world that we see and know into existence. It sparked animals and trees and art and concepts and business and flourishing. God spoke it into existence. But the, cul the culmination of creation was you. The culmination of creation was perfect humanity. And with every crescendo of creation, God responded with delight, with joy. One day he made trees, the next day he made birds, and then finally he made you, and the shout was amazing. And he placed us, humans, into the world to rule and bring order to this creation that we find so beautiful. God created in his image us with authority, naked and what? Unashamed. Naked and unashamed. But unfortunately, we have an enemy. And that enemy whispered into this perfect relationship with God our Father, said, hey, God's holding out on you. God's holding out on you. See, he offered the lie in the shape of a fruit. On a forbidden tree that God said, the one rule. And so they bought it. They bought the lie that God was holding out on them. And scripture says their eyes were opened and realizing they were naked for the first time ever, they hid from their father. Don't you see? Guilt wasn't the first reaction. Shame was. Guilt wasn't the first thing their minds went to. It was, oh no, we're naked and God's going to see us. And so they hid. And so now, with our beautiful creation, all right, bear with me here, shame enters in. Shame enters into the beauty of creation, creating a black spot on what God had made clean and perfect and good and holy and right. And because we believed the lie, because we believed the lie, we realized something. I'm gonna get pain on me. I realized that too. 
Shame entered perfection. And so we, as humans, do whatever we can do to hide, to isolate it, to cover it up. And so we use success. We use success in business, trying desperately to cover this thing up with success, but unfortunately, it's, it's not. It doesn't work. Whether it's success in sport, or maybe uh, success in school, or in our workspaces, or maybe in relationship, or maybe parents, it's your kids' success. And it doesn't cover it. Okay, so if, if success doesn't work, if success doesn't work, then maybe we try just human connection. Maybe we try human connection so that we can desperately cover up our shame by how many relationships we have, how many friends we can make, our communities. We hide behind dating and marriage and paint on the ground. Sorry, Mark. Maybe sexual exploits. But it doesn't work. Okay. Okay. Maybe, all right, maybe success, relationship. What if, what if instead we try out substance? What if instead we try out anything that could potentially make us feel better? What if we tried alcohol? What if alcohol could really do the trick? Or maybe it's shopping. Maybe if the stuff that we gather could really fill us, or maybe it's just content. Maybe it's just getting all of the stuff that we can into us. Maybe that'll cover our shame. We can dress it up and look really nice. Maybe that'll cover it. But unfortunately, it doesn't. But we live in the digital age, right? And so, we have these cool little things called phones. That we have social media, we have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok. And yes, men, women, we have LinkedIn. You laugh, but it's true. And so we dress it up. We cover it up. Look at that. <laughs> Does a really good job of making it look pretty. Whatever we do is at best a thin veil over our shame. Whatever we can try and do is at best 
avail. Church family, I am well acquainted with this. I myself am well acquainted with the vastness of my shame and the things I do to hide it. But it's this, it's this thing that keeps me looking in the mirror, asking myself, what is wrong with me? In the throes of depression, it's the vastness of this that threatens to take me under. When I'm begging and asking God to take my own skin disorder, my own eczema away, realizing that I can't shake hands because I might get blood on somebody, it's this. When I've sworn in my past to never go where I thought I would never go again, and I end up right back there, it's this. It's shame, it's exposure. Okay, so if we take a step back, What does that look like to you? A leprous open wound. A defiling skin disease. The leper was well acquainted with his shame because he wore it on his body. Not all of us know this. Some of us do in a deep and intimate way, but you can't hide when your body betrays you. So sorry, but you can't. It wasn't his fault, and this isn't your fault. See, we in life, yes, we have our shame that has been given to us by just humanity. But we go through life picking up shame by just our brokenness, just this, like sparking against one another. I looked up shame in the dictionary. It said it's something that starts in childhood. We all have that memory of the first time we felt shame. The first time we realized that we are not enough. And that's what we call a wax, something that just life, our parents' best, something else that happened to us in life that wasn't your fault. That's a whack. That's something that hits against you. And that's just shame breaking against one another. That's just shame breaking against one another. Or maybe it's not a whack, and maybe it's just something that whispers in the back of your mind that you aren't enough. 
that if someone really knew, if the people you're sitting next to in church really knew what goes on on the, un- the underside of your brain, and that's what we can call a lack. So maybe it's not just something that sparked against you, maybe it's just something that was always there. Sorry to get so real, <laughs> but we desperately, church, we desperately need the moment of realization that this leper lived in. Because he had a need that only Jesus could do anything about. And so along came a rabbi down the side of a hill, just following his teaching on what it looks like to live in his new kingdom. And this man, ridden with open wounds, stumbles out of the darkness through the crowd, which is illegal, by the way, and stumbles up to Jesus, falling at his feet, with tears in his eyes, looking only at Jesus' eyes. And asks, if you're willing, I know you have the power, but if you are willing, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. You can take this away, if you're willing. Church, what we think of when we look in Jesus' eyes matters. Do we see gentleness? Do we see love? Or do we see disappointment, or frustration, or anger? The latter is not the Jesus of the Bible. You see, the prophet Moses encountered a burning bush hundreds of years before this moment. And in much the same way, he fell on his knees. And out of the blazing fire that shone through this burning bush moment, God's presence spoke his name. I am who I am. First time we get God's personal name in scripture is I am who I am. Past, present, and future, I am the living God, the only living God. And Jesus, in a similar moment, speaks into the desperation of this leprous man and says, what? I am the living God? Guess what? God is willing. I am willing. Be cleansed. And so if you remember anything from this morning, please just forget this. Forget the story at the start. Just remember that the I am is willing. Right. 
And so this is right where you need to be. And if you have at all been seeing yourself through this story, through this man's eyes, through this shame spiral, I wanna invite you into something. If we could drop the lights for a second. I wanna invite you into something. See, this may require a reorientation of your body. See, we don't just have a body, we are a body, and God cares about what we do with it. So maybe this requires a reorientation. Maybe it's a sitting, a standing, maybe it's a kneeling moment. But I want you to consider Jesus's eyes on you. I want you to consider what that means for Jesus's eyes to spark against yours. And so I'm gonna pray, you do what you need to do. Okay, church? God, here we are. Here we are. And we submit fully to your Godness, your goodness. And we acknowledge that the law was created to show that you're holy. It wasn't evil. It was just to acknowledge your holiness. But right now, we need to acknowledge that Jesus, God, your son came to fulfill the law. And that through his presence, all of our shame, the things that you're feeling, church, submit it to him. You can't hide before the God of the universe. He sees and knows all of you. And God, I pray for those of us who need to see your gentle eyes and need to experience your gentle touch to free us from shame to free us from the whack that we received when we didn't know any better. God, to free us from the lack that just whispers quietly in our minds. Our attempts to fill it, to cover it up, to hide it, to stand in the darkness, all of it, God. We pray right now, I pray right now over these men and women, these children, students and young adults, all of them. All of them would feel the cleansing touch of your son Jesus in this moment. The cleansing touch 
of your son, Jesus. God, encounter each and every one of them through the gentleness of a father who made them, who loves them, and who reminds them. That through Christ, they've been made clean. Church family, I want you to look for a second. Through Jesus' power, presence, perfect sinless life, death and resurrection, he has given you his own holiness. He has given you a new thing, a new creation, a new relationship, a new perfection. And through union with him by the Holy Spirit, you are made new. That is amazing news, church. Yes, often we carry our shame in our bodies. We carry the memories, the imprints, the resonances or echoes of our life. And on this side of the new kingdom, fortunately, that's something that happens. But because Jesus proves that he is who he said he was and did what he was going to do, and that he is the great I am in living flesh, or in Paul's language, the image of the invisible God, because that's who Jesus is, friends, you can remove the grave clothes. You can see his messianic power in action. You can be a walking, talking miracle with a pure heart. You can crash a roof with some friends. And you can believe who Jesus said he was and surrender to him. And some of you guys may be saying like, okay, God brought something this morning and I've been healed of something. And so like, what now? Well, what did Jesus say? He told the leper to stop isolating. He told the leper to go and show himself as a testimony that Jesus healed him, that Jesus can make clean. But I wanna give you a warning. In another gospel account, the man didn't do that. He actually disobeyed Jesus. And he went around everywhere telling them what Jesus had done. Could that have been Jesus's plan eventually? Maybe. But Jesus had something specific for this man to do. And so Jesus has something specific for you to do with your cleansing. And it's called healthy obedience. 
my prayer upon healing for you is to know what that thing is. And maybe that's the next step. Asking God, what is the healthy obedience? What is the testimony that you want me to share? How do you want me to tell people, look at what God has done? That Jesus is on the throne. What do you want me to do? And Jesus will give you that. Jesus will give you that. So friends, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for bearing with me this morning in an exposure of shame, because that's not always fun. But I want to invite our prayer partners up. And I just want to say thank you, all of you. And thank you online for joining us. Online, know that our prayer is that you would be here with us.